Welcome to the Guitar All Mini Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. So we're here with Candace Mowbray. I just learned how to pronounce her last name. I'm very, very excited about this. And that's actually, excuse me, that's Dr. Candace oh, yeah. Mowbray. Thank you. <laughs> you, 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 you. You know, you spend a lot of time and energy and, and sweat and all that stuff getting that those two letters you should you should you should exercise them so thank you um how are you candace i'm fantastic actually it's a beautifully sunny day in maryland and i can't wait to go out what, and take what a part walk of maryland there. are you in i live in western maryland washington county so about okay uh, we usually give our location by proximity to baltimore and dc so about okay. an hour and a half west sure sure i um i grew up in northern virginia oh okay so i'm i'm, I'm real familiar with with that area um, having driven through it many, many times getting back home from Ohio. so Very good. Um, Our claim to fame. You've driven yeah, through that absolutely. town, I'm sure, many times. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I got stranded on I-70 outside of, I think, Frederick. Sure, um, that's where I live one, in Hagerstown. One snowy so, year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I know exactly where that is. Fantastic. Yeah, but it was a... It was a rather harrowing evening, I must say, being on the highway stranded when it after it was closed and my car not starting and it being after midnight and yeah, yeah was, I know that mountain. You were probably on a mountain too, and that's called Absolutely. South. It's South Mountain. I know it well. <laughs> Did you grow up in that area? Oh, yeah. I'm from here. Okay. And, yeah. Great. Fantastic. I've always traveled and, and done things, but always came back here. So. Uh huh. And and you went to school at Shenandoah. I did for my graduate school. Mm-hmm. Okay, where'd you do your undergraduate stuff? I did my undergraduate at Shepherd University, which back then, that's how old I am, it was just Shepherd College at that time, and that's in West, <laughs> West Virginia. Okay, and you're teaching there now, right? Yeah, I do, which is oh, really fantastic. exciting, actually. You know? That's that's really cool. Great, great. And you, you did a master's and your doctorate at... at... Yeah, yeah. I took a break in between. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Glenn Kaluda, my my mentor. When I was was 16 years old, I went to um, a summer program there and studied with his assistant, a guy named Wayne Dooley. Oh, Wayne Dooley. Oh, I don't know. I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) This was going way back. So, um, and, and Wayne was actually a student of Christopher Berg, um, right before he had gone to, to work with, with Glenn. And I ended up going to, to do my undergraduate at the University of South Carolina with, with Christopher. Oh, nice. Um, but I, when, I was, when I was at that summer workshop, I did take a lesson with, with Glenn. And, and, um, and at some point in time, there was a, a thing that I went to where he was coaching a guitar ensemble. And it was the first time I had heard a classical guitar ensemble. And... I just remember like that sound waking me up, you know. I just think, wow, that is that is what a thing. I've never heard of such a thing, and it was fantastic. Um, and I was all um, that was all Glenn. I so. wonder if it was Pavan, the Performing and Visual Arts Northwest. It's a big summer program in Northern Virginia that's wonderful. I wonder if that was it. It's been going a long know. time. But anyway, there, there was because I I I was looking at going to school there, and there was there was like there were recruiting events. I spent a month oh, okay. there um, over the summer for oh, really? you know for a workshop and uh 
actually got my uh, got my first eleven college credits nice. <laughs> there, which which meant I didn't have to spend five years getting my undergraduate. <laughs> Very good. Um, but yeah, so it, but like I, some I, of I, the so, rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the rest of us, you know. I, that's one of the things when I was teaching college that I, I thought, you know, it's I need I need to somehow tell these kids, look, you know, unless you're unless you're really really moving you're not going to finish this degree in four years, you know. Of course, the administration hates just telling them that, you know, because the, the parents are going to get all. Yeah. Well, I took four and a half, which I thought was actually pretty good, um, yeah. you know, but I, I had to work, you know. So, sure. you know, this idea of having an 18 to 20 credit hour semester, it just couldn't happen. So, yeah. you know. And do, do you, so do you teach music majors? It's, uh, so you're Shepherd's, Shepherd's, Shepherd University. Where else are you teaching? Um, I currently teach for Hagerstown Community College, where I've okay. been a, a very long time. I, I mean, more, I, I guess 15 years or more in my, right. in, you know, in my, my perception of long time and um, and Shepherd. And then I teach for a community music school, just a couple of okay. students. And then I have a private online studio. Right. But in the past, I taught for Mount St. Mary's University and Frederick Community College. And I actually taught at Shenandoah for almost 10 years. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, first is, you know, when I was a graduate student and then I stayed on as adjunct sure. faculty after finishing school. And Right, right. Yeah. I have a, I have a friend here in, in Columbus that, that has done the whole circuit and he, he calls it doing the, the adjunct 500. Oh, I've never heard that before. <laughs> when there was a, I was teaching, at one time I was teaching at four colleges at the same time and I just felt like I spent all of my time in the car and, and mm -hmm. every meal was in the car, breakfast on the way to the first job, lunch in between, and, and dinner on the way home, you know. Um, it was very strange, yeah, and I think I, I, yeah, <laughs> lots yeah. of miles on the car and the whole thing, so. I know, adjunct tales, right? You can write a book. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did, and, now, I, and I know the, the, the car eating well, like you, it, yeah. it, there becomes a real it's heart a skill. to it. You're right, it's, it's a, a skill, skill, absolutely. Especially if you eat healthy, and like, you know, you, and, and when you find yourself rating truck stops like, <laughs> when you think you could write a blog entry on the the travel what is it the travel k versus wawa like you can you know like then you know you're spending too much time in the car i yeah yep i hear that i hear that very much so when when you were in school um did you have did you have any clue that it was going to be like that? I mean, when you were when you were being come, getting your training and whatnot, and when you were looking ahead, thinking about your future and and that sort of thing, how did how did that look in your head as compared to how it actually ended up being for you? Well, so I, I can actually answer this question pretty clearly. I didn't really think that I was going to have a performance career, other okay. than gigging other than sure. gigging. And I grew up around a lot of giggers, you know, uh, wedding band musicians, uh, jazz combo players, and like all, all kinds of just really interesting things. You come things. from a musical family? Um, a little bit. My, yeah. I was raised by my grandmother and she was one of 11 kids. So she was born, oh you know, in the t early 20s. When, right. you know, you had these big families and just everybody was required to be in the family band, like, you oh, know, that's cool. and she would tell me she used to own a great big Gibson and she never liked it back then. But later she wished like she would have stuck with it. And she taught me my first chords. And so it's, it's definitely there. Um, but the arts themselves are just a part, I think, a very natural part of um, 
I think where I live, and maybe this is everywhere, I can only speak to my experience, but it's a very natural part of things, no matter what your vocation is. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was an army, um, an army guy. I don't know how to, you know, like, I don't want to explain the details, but he was an <laughs> army guy, but I have pictures of him painting ceramics. You know, he just loved to paint oh ceramics. And um, yeah, so, you know, this, this, you know, tough guy, army guy. and. Yeah. You know, sitting around smoking a oh, cigarette cool. with his big beard, you know, <laughs> painting a painting a you know nutcracker or something like sure. it's just normal. Oh, that's cool. And I just love that. Huh? Um, and do you think that's something that I mean? Is that a regional kind of kind of thing that goes on in that in that part of the world, or is it something that more your family put uh, emphasis on? Or? Again, I can only speak from what I've observed. You know, I can't really say for uh, folks, but. Uh, as far as I see, you know, what's that song? Everybody plays guitar, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like everywhere around me, no matter what, you know, I just grew up in an area in, in specifically in a kind of a tribe of people, so to speak, yeah. who are musicians and artists. So you, you know, go to a jam night and there's people who do roofing and there's people who do, um, I don't know, security or, or, you know, work at a grocery store or sure. work for like a senior living. I'm trying to think of like all the diverse yeah, things that people absolutely. do. Sure. And, um, but they're all musicians. They're all artists and they're all great. You know, and That's they all fun. have, that and is... I think all of that experience comes and makes them their own unique voice. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And how, how do you think that that plays out for you in terms of, again, like, you know, when you were getting your training, when you were in school, when you were thinking about your future, that that, that sort of thing. You said, you know, you mentioned that uh, you never really thought that you'd you'd have a performing career other than gigging and whatnot. So, I mean, that was that was really like a natural thing for you to think about doing because everybody that you knew did that. Yeah, I think there was that element, and I think there was also kind of this this humility about, um, sure. you know, really admiring and seeing particular people as great but also through that thinking well i'm so far from that you know those people deserve that you know like (laughs) you know and 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 in fact that's that's just an interesting thing you know I i won't delve into that too much but it's um so anyway the point was i went through school um really like i wanted to be a teacher since i was a child i mean a young child when i mean being five years old and wanting a chalkboard for Christmas, you know, so I could play teach. And so me going through school, when I say, oh, it wasn't just about, you know, the the, um, veneration for these great artists. It was also because I was really set on working and teaching um, and being a college professor. So that that was my trajectory. Um, once I figured out I wasn't going to be an accountant. The first semester, right. I thought I was going to be an accountant. But oh, then, did you go to school for accounting first? My very first semester of community college, because in high school, I'd worked in a bank. Okay. And I really thought, you know, this is practical. This is a great route. I'm good with organization and numbers. And, um, and so I, I, I decided to go as a liberal arts major, um, but with the intent that I thought I would pursue some kind of banking career. Okay. And, uh, but in my first semester of school, of course, I ended up in the theater building, you know, with all of the musicians and very quickly decided I was a music major. You know, it didn't oh, take very fantastic. long. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got, the un- I got that uh, community college degree in liberal arts, though, because that allowed me to just do all of my core subjects. 
sure. because then my when I transferred to Shepherd, I've mostly just had music classes and language classes right. to do. Sure. Um, so anyway, uh, but that was really up and through my master's degree. Okay. That that um, that that was the case, or really through the bachelor's, you know. And I went to work, and I was teaching privately at a music store, and um, started going to some guitar festivals and actually getting out of my area and seeing what other people were doing, right. and that made me realize I needed some more education, um, playing wise. Right. And so I um, met Dr. Glenn Kaluta and was accepted to the master's program at Shenandoah. And then I got you know, far more serious about my classical playing because up to that point, I was playing split between jazz oh, okay. and classical. Oh, fantastic. I, I wasn't a good jazz player. Like, in retrospect, please don't be excited about it. But... That's something else I think that we have in common. Um, you know, I, I, was, when I was teaching at, you know, at universities and whatnot, I, did, I was doing as much jazz teaching as I was classical teaching. And it's, it's kind of ironic because I would have students that end up playing jazz way better than I did, which told me that I knew what I was talking about, <laughs> right. but I didn't practice it, right? You know? Well, and, I ended up getting several jobs because of that, because of yeah. being open and having some skills outside of just straight I think, classical. Yeah, I think I think that's an important yeah. important consideration. You know, it's probably actually, more so even today than it was, you know, when I was yeah. getting out of school. And I remember one of one of the people that wrote a letter for me for my first college teaching job, um, was actually he he was he made his living. He was a theory professor at CIM, but he made his living, um, really good living, playing jazz gigs and cocktail piano and all that kind of stuff. And and um, he had he had you know one of the nicest houses of anybody on the faculty. <laughs> and he used to he used to like he was pretty arrogant about it. Actually, big thing for him was to emphasize you know you should you should get your head out of this this classical hole sometimes and, and realize that there's there's other things going on out there um and he he what's one of the things that he mentioned in his letter for me was that I had I had undertaken some of that and that was a that was an asset and I think I think absolutely that was you know and but like you know as I said I'm not no, I'm not getting a whole lot of calls to play jazz games, <laughs> right, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, but I still have a love for you know. I started out as an electric guitar player. I didn't own a classical. Okay. I didn't own a classical guitar until I was getting ready to transfer as a sure. Guitar Did you know anything major. about it? Um, you know, not a lot. I had these yeah. friends, you know, and mentors in community college who went that route, and and sure. that's where I learned from them. Okay, when I transfer, I'm going to need to do this and. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, but prior to that, like my electric guitar life, um, I read. I, I played in big band and jazz, you know, big uh -huh. band uh, in high school and read music and taught in my high school guitar class. And because oh, I, I started out on clarinet and oboe. Okay. And, and I was a very nerdy kid. I mean that with the best of intention, you know, sure. like. Nerds if, of the world unite. You know, right. And teacher, when I had four years or three years of music theory in high school. Oh, and, okay. Um, and it was wonderful. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I had this really strong theoretical background. And um, so when I played, started playing electric guitar, like I said, my grandmother taught me a few chords, but I went to the library and checked out books. And I learned from... Arlen Ross Blues oh, yeah. Method and uh, you know whatever the library had I think they had sure. the Frederick Node book you know at that time and um, because I could read I could just figure things out and I played guitar all night until my fingers hurt and that's just the way it was you know <laughs> it was great actually in retrospect it's what I still want to do every <laughs> day of my now. life <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well to some extent I do it and um, 
Anyway, but uh, so the trajectory was really, by the time of the master's degree, I was really focusing much more on classical guitar. I was loving it and, um, and had started teaching some college things. And, um, and then right after finishing my master's degree, I was teaching at a community college with a wonderful music department. Uh, Frederick Community College, okay. and a full-time position came open as a, um, not just as a full-time uh, teacher, but to be the, uh, I think they call it the de department coordinator. Okay, like an administrative thing. Yeah, yeah, and so you advise students, you're, you, you know, you're really involved in, in, coordinate the concert series, they have all kinds of, it's a lot of work, actually, when I think about the list, it's, it's quite, <laughs> and the woman who's about to retire from it, uh, this kind of comes full story, so at that time, let's say it was 2005, I don't know, it was, it, it was quite a while ago. I made it to the interview round, you know, like I only had a master's degree. I was quite young, uh, certainly didn't have the experience of the other people right. who the final three, but it really encouraged me. And the person who got it like well deserved it. And she's been there until now. She's about to retire. She's fabulous. Dr. Um, Paula Chipman. And uh, so anyway, but it really encouraged me. It's like, all right, you know, like I should go back to school. Like if I'm first of uh. all, this is possible. Right. And two, I'm going to need a doctorate. Okay. And so, I, it, in fact, how, it must how, have been it must have been a little later than 2005 because I didn't go back for the doctorate until a couple years after that. So, so you know, the the timeline's a little fuzzy. But so I started there were a few years in between your master's and yeah, your doctorate. Yeah. Yeah, because um, so I finished my master's in 2003, and I actually came back the next semester to just take a class because I mm -hmm. thought, you know, I'll just kind of do it over At time. A few time, yeah. But my grandmother was really, really uh, sick at that point. She had um, dementia, and it was a very, it was just a traumatic time, and um, so I couldn't continue in school. Right. And then after that, like you know, um, anybody who's been through a really significant loss, it's not the best time, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I really don't concentrate. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I did was I, you know, I, I delved myself into a lot of work. And at that point, it, like you mentioned, I think I was teaching for four or five colleges and mm -hmm. running around. And it was a great diversion, actually, you know. But um, the point being, eventually, I decided to, to work on my doctorate. And so I started it a class at a time because I had all these great teaching opportunities. I didn't want to give them up. And I thought, I'll just right. chip away at the stone. Sure. And I did that for a while, but then in the program, I started to really grow. And, um, you know, not just as a guitar player, but my history and, well, especially the history, because I had always thought myself as a theory-minded person. Mm -hmm. um, my undergraduate degree is in composition, oddly. Oh, okay. Um, it, yeah, it's not to be excited about. I played guitar far, far more <laughs> than I wrote anything. Um, these days, I'm going back to that at least. Did you, in the now, did you have the, at 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 Shepherd? Did you have the the opportunity to get a, a guitar guitar degree, and you chose composition instead? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I always wanted to be different, just to be honest. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, That's great. That's fantastic. Not so many people major in this, huh? Well, let's try this. You yeah, know, good for That's you. special. Yeah. Sure. But um, and then they did a leveling system for your guitar playing, and so a composition okay. major they only had to reach a five or six in their out of eight in their competency. Okay. But okay. I practiced so much, you know, I got an eight, 
and but my compositions i got you know like a b minus I, I don't know that that's true but you get the you get the idea i, sure. I spent more time playing than i did right. composing but it was still fun you know i wrote an atonal piece for a rock band oh neat. You know, i thought that was pretty cool and i was really into beat poetry and that kind of stuff so i wrote a uh you know my best attempt at some kind of vocal and sure. jazz you know beat thing and that's on cool. a poem by frilling getty and i'm <laughs> convinced someday i'll fix it up and you know make it worth yeah hearing. but yeah so by the time i got to the doctorate um i was pretty focused and so to answer your initial question was did you expect it to be this way um no <laughs> although i knew how hard it was going to be like i wasn't yeah. immune to like what the workforce was like because i was in it right um right. and oddly right after i finished my doctorate i did get a temporary full-time lecture position where uh, at frederick community college that same okay. place yeah only it was not just teaching music and see oh, this is really? this is the kicker it was a it was a position in the creative arts Okay. So you know how students take music appreciation, no matter mm -hmm. what your major is? Mm -hmm. Well, not only did I teach courses like that, you know, intro to music history and music fundamentals, you know, like beginning theory kind of things. Um, I had to teach what I think should be offered everywhere, a great car course called Intro to the Creative Arts, oh, which cool. is like music appreciation, but for several arts disciplines. So the okay. students learn about painting and music and sculpture and architecture and that's, theater. That's awesome. That's yeah, fantastic. and it was a blast yeah. to prep the class. Sure. But it took a ton of work. And then I learned that there was a chance I might even be asked to teach art history kind of courses in wow. the future. And and at that time, I was getting a lot of playing opportunities. You can piss off a lot of art historians with that one. Um, well, you know, um, but... but but yeah, the point it's exciting, is exciting though. That's really cool. Well, actually, that didn't excite me because I knew the amount of work and study that I would have to do to really be prepared to do that. Right. And at the time, I was the the opposite thing was happening. I was getting all of these performance opportunities, right. and I started playing with these great people in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Satori Chamber Ensemble, and the music was so interesting, and they were so open to guitar. And so, you know, it wasn't just programming, although I love these things, Vivaldi and Boccherini. Sure, sure. They also would program Pujol or Jean-Marie, you know, I'd buy this music and be like, look, I found this really cool piece for string quartet and guitar by Jean-Marie Raymond. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, that's cool. And that's so great. I how, had how far, this how far away is almost 200 miles. I, and I was going to say, I didn't think that was very close. <laughs> so I'd have these days, you know, where I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, in fact, a Facebook memory just shared this because I had posted about it. 4.30 a.m., got up, <laughs> left the house by, f or left the house at 4.30 because oh. rehearsal was at 9 a.m. Oh, my gosh. And then you'd have probably two, re two separate rehearsals. So let's say a 9 to 11 and then maybe a 12 to 2 separate flute and guitar rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And then I'd stay the weekend or longer um, doing, you know, four or five concerts of various types. So it might be separate programs, you know, it right. might be oh a flute and guitar. And um, yeah, it was, it was actually exciting. But then in between that, like I was, I realized, um, yeah, I've got to make a choice. You know, I was invited to, it, 
the, the position got funded as a permanent position. Because that's, I don't know if people know that that's how these things work right. sometimes, is there's a need, budget, you know, you put in a proposal years in advance that your mm -hmm. department needs a new position, a temporary position is created. You do that job, you put your heart into it, but then it's going to be re-advertised. Right. And, and you, yeah. so, and, and that usually happens like in January of the year you're doing the job. So can you imagine right. doing the job, putting your heart into it, mm -hmm. doing all that prep work, but it's gonna be re-advertised publicly. Right. And you may have your colleagues on your side, but your colleagues aren't the sole ones responsible for you getting hired. There's right. a committee, there's a president, there's people who know each other that you don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. and, and at that point, I was working so hard, I thought, I don't think I can take it. I'm gonna be real honest here. I don't think I can take it if I don't get the job. Right. Like, yeah. there's only so many, there's only, is you can only be so tough. Right. Yeah. People like to pretend like, oh, you know, it's not personal. It's not this. Yeah, it's personal if you're the one doing the work. Yeah, it, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially, especially if it's something, like you said, that, that, you know, you need to develop a lot of coursework just to do in the first place. It's not as if, you know, you're walking into a situation where they were just handing you this. Here's, here's the course. It's already in place. You just have to teach it, you know. Um, so I did the it, crazy thing. It, it becomes thing. a huge investment, you know. Right. I did the crazy thing and I didn't reapply and I decided to go play my guitar. You know, I think I, I don't <laughs> think that's crazy at all. I think that, that's very sensible. I somebody told me once very early in in, in my my teaching career cuz I was I was I can't remember where it was, but there was there was a one-year thing somewhere and I was thinking, "Oh, this is going to be a foot in the door. I'll be able to get this job and then I'll be, you know, I'll get the full-time job after the search is done." And somebody told me flat out, nobody ever gets those jobs. You know, you, you're, you'll be there for a year and while they're looking for someone else, and they'll look right over you and say goodbye. Thank you very much for your service at the end of the year. So it was it was really interesting. It was you know, it, I because to me it seems like that's it's kind of backwards. If it is, you know, should, and, shouldn't that be like a year long audition audition for that job? And if you really Right. Go gangbusters so, and, and kick you know knock it out of the park. Then they 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 say, hey, we got this person here. Let's just and keep I, them around, you know. Um, and I think this was one of those rare situations. I think I did have a really good chance of staying in the yeah. job. Um, but but uh, when you say is, are things what you expected? No, some things are far better than I ever expected. <laughs> oh, good for you. But well, yeah. But they're just they just come in a different form than what you expect. Sure. The reward is something sure. different. Than sure. what you expect however what is really unexpected and not always in the positive way is how some of that stuff works that you just described sure absolutely you know, that yeah. that's hard to to figure out and say oh this doesn't seem fair right um, well you know when i when i was a student i just i had a similar i guess epiphany as, as what you described in that for me, it was a little different. I like when I went to college. I absolutely loved being in that environment. You know, I just thought this is this is this is great. I want to stay in this environment the rest of my life. So I think I'll I'll try to be a college professor. You know, and and I did. What I didn't realize is you know there there are two different lives happening on a college campus: the students' existence and the other existence, and they're not at all the same. Um, and I was I was just really I was really surprised because I, I always thought that. And this is part of, I guess, that that idealization of, of that environment was, I was thought, if, if, if you're going to find an environment where there are really, you know, 
highly intelligent and highly creative and exciting people, shouldn't that be a college faculty? <laughs> and that was that was not my experience, <laughs> well, unfortunately. And, you know? So I came to terms with, you know, like, and I taught it with a lot of great places and these, you know, these places I'm talking about where I was, I had some really good experiences, you know, with especially from my fellow faculty or, or, or my immediate administrators were all yeah. like hardworking and fighting the good fight, you know, kind of people. Wow. Um, but I was there was the wrong schools. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but no, but what I'll say, what I'll say is the living wasn't there. Like right. the, the whole concept of making a living that way. It's right. not, I will say for me, it was yeah. not healthy. Don't ever calculate your, your hourly wage. It's very depressing. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. It was not healthy. I grew up and needed health insurance. And, you know, there's all these things and you have student loans and you have like life things you have to think about. And then what can happen? And I remember being, a, you know, how you said about the student versus the faculty kind yeah. of perception of campus. I remember being a student and seeing some of the older part-time faculty and the real edge and chip that some of them had on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I remember as a student what that was like. You know, you don't know where it comes from, but you see it right. as edgy and it's not really healthy to be around. Right. And then as I was aging in, in, in you know, the higher ed, <laughs> and I started feeling myself developing some of those little yeah. things, like, you know, yeah. starting to draw lines in the sand about what you will and will not do. I just decided, nope, um, I, I got to make some changes. So I focused far more on playing, you know, I delved into all these opportunities and gradually left a lot of my adjunct positions. And mm -hmm. so I'm at a place now that really works for me in terms of teaching, where um, I'm, first of all, at schools that people can, that are really affordable in the scheme of things. Right. And that was really important to me, you know, as a person who put herself through college. Like, I wanna right. be somewhere where if I can recruit, like, it's a place where kids aren't gonna go into tons of debt to, mm -hmm. to get, you know, get their degree. Um, right. uh, and, I feel respected, I feel a part of things, but it's also limited in my life to what it is right now. You know, my, right. I don't, sure. it's actually kind of And that's of a like, very conscious decision on your, on your oh, part. Oh yeah, it's yeah. not my life, yeah. it's a thing that I do, and so that way I can do it yes. with a positive spirit. Yes. It's limited, I, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying I wouldn't be open to it to being a bigger part of my life, but it has to be compensated in a way that allows me to commit that time to it. Right. And right. if it's not do, do you think going to be that way, you know, I just can't do it. Do you, one of the one of the dilemmas that I I grappled with, especially early off in in my career, was feeling guilty saying no, you know, because you, you you get this mentality of oh, what we do, we're so lucky to be able to do this for a living, right? And and um. You know, it's 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 a it's a unique and special thing, and that's that's great. And I and and I developed this like, like things that I absolutely did not want to do. I said yes to because I thought you know I, I it, it's somehow disrespectful of the of the field or of mm -hmm. the profession if I say no to things. You know, like I'm lucky to be doing this at all. Um, like you know, beggars can't be choosers kind of thing. And it took me a, it took me a long time to to get around to getting over that, you know, and realizing, and, and, and a lot of it relates to what you were saying about, you know, the chip on the shoulder and, and not doing these things in a healthy way. Um, and that had a lot to do with, you know, my, my progression of, 
over time, like teaching less and less and less. And, and I left my last academic job in 2018. And that was a lot of it was just it, this is not this is not healthy. And it, you know, if it affects the students, I'm not I'm I not, see I want to be a part of that. And that's know? the line. Like when that starts to happen, you know, when yeah. you have to and forget, you know, having a chip on your shoulder. I, I, like think about it, like in, in my case, just being able to physically afford to do the thing. Right. Right. So, you know, for example, um, if a student needs a class to graduate and there aren't enough people to make the class enroll, like you need 10 people to make the class enroll and there's only one person signed up and right. you'll get asked right. to do an independent directed research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that means teaching an entire course for maybe two hundred dollars. Right. Oh, yeah. An entire 15 week course. And the student's expectation of that is to meet every week. And to right. and to have a course that he or she needs, sure. and, they, to, and they deserve that, you know, right? You know, honestly. and especially if it's something like you know guitar pedagogy, where they're learning how to teach, right. you know, you can't right. cut that short. But there comes a point where you physically can't do it. Like maybe you physically can't take an entire evening to drive to a school to teach one person, right? You know, and, and that so. When it, yeah, these are, when these it, are the little things that nobody knows about, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and and, um, and they're big things, you know. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That was the line is when it starts to affect the ability, you know. Like when you say we're lucky to do what we do, you know, it's an incredible responsibility to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so when you see that you cannot do the job for that sole student in that class who needs to learn how to teach guitar. Mm -hmm. um, then, it's heartbreaking. Well, then you have to make these choices and that's where it becomes a little easier to say no. Um, but like in that case, not to that student, you know, right. like I, right, I can't, exactly, I can't yeah. say no to that student. This is something I have to do. Right. But, but, but then what it affects is your choice to stay in that world. And that's what's really sad. And that's what I think people don't see what they're missing right. out on is that just people quietly leave. Right. Well, you know, with my situation, it was it was really interesting because, you know, they replaced me within a month of, of my resignation after having been there for 25 years. Oh, and, boy. You know, and that was fine. I knew they would. And that, that was it was totally fine. It was, it was a former student of mine that, that got the job and I feel great for him. It's great, great opportunity. Um, and you know, I was making exactly $6 more an hour after 25 years as I was when I, when I got hired. And yeah, that's an know. interesting feeling when your students start telling, you know, you're teaching undergraduates and yeah. they tell you, Oh, I'm teaching at blah, 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 mall oh, store. Oh, what do you charge for lessons? And it's like more than you're making as a college teacher. You're like, Oh, good for you. Are they hiring? Had a paper route. I had a student that had a paper route that was making more money than I was oh, many, many, many years ago. It was one of the most depressing days of my life where I was having a, a, a repertoire class. And just before the class, we were, you know, just sitting around, you know, chewing the fat and, and just talking about stuff. And he said something about a paper route. And I said, aren't you a little old for a paper? You know, because you think of like a little kid, you know, throwing papers up on people's porches and stuff like this. And he was, you know, 20, 21 years old. And apparently the, uh, the Columbus newspaper has these adult paper routes where you can actually make a living delivering papers. And he had one and he had it for many years. And 
he told me how much money he made and I was like oh my god that's ridiculous you know and it was just it was it was a real like ding 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 kind of wake up call so I, and I that's decided when you... to stay in the field for another 20 years to, to sort that all out and that's um, when you come to these moments you know of, right. of, of growth and, and responsibilities and you have to make sure. some choices you know and yeah. um yeah, and so it, I didn't expect to be making, you know, a large amount of my career playing, which was like, how great is that? You know, sometimes exciting, yeah. you don't get what you want, you get what you need, you know? And uh, yeah. yeah, so there were some there were some great things about it. Um, but then the downside of that for me is I don't think I was ready for that. Um, I think I, I could have used a bit more... Um, just a uh, well-being coaching, you know, launching into playing sure. that much. And um, sure. I really overdid it um, and uh, put a lot of pressure on myself. So then yeah. it even didn't become fun. It became like, like fear based. Like, oh, sure. I have to do sure. this. So well, I finally kind of, if you want to want to learn to hate something, make it your, make it your job. Right. You know? <laughs> and yeah. And I wouldn't say I hated it at all, but it was just, um, it, it just came with a, a I put a bunch of pressure on myself to yeah. to do certain things, and well, it's very stressful. Especially, I mean, it, any kind of performance, you know, you have to deal with, and it doesn't matter how how well you deal with this. There, you know, being quote in the spotlight or being on stage, you know, that that that's a special kind of mentality, and it's a special kind of stress, you know. Yeah. And and it, it can be a good stress, but it it you know. It's stressful. <laughs> and especially, you know, as you learn your own personality, you, you find that maybe you have personality traits that already aren't copacetic with that, you know, right. like, um, and so then, you, you know, sometimes it requires some help, uh, some, sure. some, a different kind of expert advice to help you with that. And um, so you don't hurt yourself in one way or another, whether it's physically right. or, you know, mentally or, or whatever. And so, but now I feel like I'm, I'm at a better balance of things, you know, that, um, and then the, the living at, so the, the thing I would say from that, because very often when, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about, um, working in music, you know, like the, the, the living part of it, like the making the financial aspect, um, you know, it, just focusing on that. And we have to focus on it because we, you know, we have to right. have Everybody's shelter and and provisions but um to solely focus on that um you know you're not gonna probably end up in a happy place thinking about it you know and i started uh, really then um thinking about benefits in another way you know like looking at my life and and all the things all the ways it's been enriched by taking this path yeah. And all the ways that it's interesting. And like you said, coming back to the idea, is it what you expected? No, like I never thought <laughs> as an 18 year old that any of these cool things would happen. I never thought right. that I'd be on stage in costume at the Kennedy Center, you oh, know, you know, like for two months, you know, in an opera or I never thought I'd be in the pit orchestra at Wolf Trap and, you know, people are talking that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, is in the audience oh, or, wow. oh, you know, that Ringo Starr is playing here tomorrow night or, you know, right. like sure. or, or playing, being invited to embassy to perform. Right. You know, I'm 
you know, this humble kid from Western Maryland. Who would have thought any of this would happen? Sure. So I wouldn't trade this for anything is what I'm trying to tell you. Like, Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's the unexpected things that you can't plan for. I mean, everything you just mentioned, there's, there was, there's nothing you could have done to pursue any of those specifically. You just put, yourself, you put yourself in a position where when that came along... You were you ready. You were ready or somebody, you know, somebody knew about you and you got the referral. And, you know, that's those those things are so important, I think. Um, and if I would have jumped know. in, you know, I had debated through time about working in arts administration or just doing something else, you know, that was and, um, you know, because you just get tired and you start thinking, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know. I'm, I'm glad I hung on, but but I also really admire people who make other choices for themselves and say. Sure. Well, I think everybody, you know, it's we're all on our own path, and it's, I think that's we, the message that that's so important. Finding our way. Yeah. yeah, and that's what people don't hear when you're younger. At least I didn't. Right. Um, is that there's this is a lot of paths. Right. Right. And right. and you gotta you gotta think about the life you want to live. If you want to have right. a family and children and things that you know, I never really was all that interested in. You know, for me having <laughs> that sounded really harsh, didn't it? <laughs> well, it's funny because I was I was gonna ask if you have any children. I think you just answered my question. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's okay no. no i mean and that and that's i mean isn't that the same discussion you know we don't all have to have children we don't all have to do that you know there are many do you have children paths. can i ask I you do not. okay there we go. All right. now we're even check <laughs> so but uh, you know it, it's I, I that's that's an interesting thing too because i don't know I mean, there's some mythology about the starving artist thing, and, and, and I think at times it seems like a very romanticized kind of thing, and you can buy into it, and you, 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 know, you feel like the struggle somehow makes it real, and, and you know, that, that's, a, that's a very immature, and a, that's, that's an attitude that a young person can, can have for a short period of time, and then you know, it, it gets stripped from you pretty quickly, I think. But when I was younger, especially, I think... I had this mentality that there, there were certain parts of, there were certain aspects of life that probably were not going to be accessible to me because of the choice of my career, you know. And when I bought a house, you know, that was in 2004, I bought a house and I thought, this is ridiculous. I have no business buying a house. I can't buy a house. Why am I buying a house? You know, because just in my head, I had this idea that this is something I will never do. Like, I, that's fine. I've traded, you know, the way that I make my living for certain things and that's that's one of the things that that has been sacrificed and now i'm trying to get rid of my house so but, but it's it's just funny that 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 whole thing happens as as part of the the internal conversations that we have and and, and this this idea of thinking about how it's supposed to be or how it's going to be right Bill, breaking you know. down these constructs is one yeah. of the most freeing things Absolutely. you know like and it's amazing how hard set they are or at least oh, they were for me you know, yeah. things are like this. This is the way they are. And then one day, like you turn forty-four, and you're like, "No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> they're how I. They're how I <laughs> say they are." Yeah, right. You know? you know, and and what you were you were talking about earlier, you know, kept kept coming up in my mind that that it's it sounds to me one of the things that I would always describe. There was a change in 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 my work life where nothing changed in terms of what I was doing day by day, minute by minute. 
Um, but the, my attitude about it is what, what flipped, you know, mm. and, 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 it, and I just became, I started doing things on like, I, I would describe it as doing, a, doing things on my own terms, you know, rather, rather than simple, simple part of it was, you know, people would ask me what I, what I did for a living for many years. I'm a college professor. That's what I would, I would tell them, you know, and when it flipped, I started telling people that I was a musician, you know. And I wasn't doing anything differently. It was all the same stuff, you know. And just that change of focus and, and what what I was concentrating my own personal energies on, when that changed, it allowed me to see things more clearly. And I realized, and this is this is it's it's ridiculous to me. I realized I did not like teaching in college at all, you know. And but for, for decades prior to that point. In my mind, I had I had put that forth of this is who I am, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life, you know. And through making that little attitude shift, later on, I was like, well, this is odd. I don't really like this. Why am I doing it? You know. <laughs> and it was it was really strange. But it, but I always I always think of it as you know. And this is what when you were talking, it made me think of it is is this idea of doing things on your own terms, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this and, and I have these things going on, but, but it's, it's how I say it's going to be. And it sounds like you've done that and that's really exciting for you. That's great. Well, and I just wanted to piggyback that by saying, um, when you said about college professor versus musician, I did that too. Yeah. (laughs) And part of it was like when you're filling out paperwork and they want to know your occupation and college professor had this you know, oh, it's so official, uh, right? Yeah. And because you want people to take you seriously, and perhaps there's this baggage wherever it came from that writing musician somehow wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And so now I write musician with such pride. Oh, you know, awesome. like you yeah. know what I mean? Like it, absolutely, it, it's a real. And may, I don't know if it's a generational thing. Maybe younger persons now wouldn't come with that same thought. And, you know, it might come from parent kind of things, you know, telling you get a real job you know, or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 it might come completely from outside of us, you know, that that you had to write something else on your, your sheet, you know, your, your loan application or they're not going to give it to you. <laughs> You're um, not, yeah. <laughs> Out the window that goes. Yeah. Musician, oh. <laughs> Um, but no, it's, it's, it's an actual wonderful career path. So, you know, like, but anyway, but yeah, the, this idea, and I started also, I'm a great student of music history and guitar history. And you start to realize, you know, a lot of these people that you look up to, you know, why do you look up to them? Well, because, and I shouldn't say you, but me, you know, why do I look up to them? Well, they were really unique. They did something really different. They stood their mm-hmm. ground. They had an artistic point of view. How did it work in their lifetime? Well, some of them didn't do so well in terms of respect of their colleagues or um, finances or their own, you know, issues. Um, and so you learn that those aren't tall tales. These are real stories of real people. Right. And um, you can find some interesting, I wouldn't say lessons, but, you know, it, it can help break down some of those constructs when you really start examining and saying, well, you know what? I play this repertoire that nobody's heard before. (laughs) And um, that's my deal. Some people are going to like it and some people are not going to like it. And it just has to be because this is my mission. (laughs) 
Good for you. You know, yeah. or well, I say that now, but like I've spent years <laughs> like <laughs> cowering in a corner, like apologizing for it. Of course. It. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so I shouldn't say apologizing for it. That's a little dramatic, but um, <laughs> but you you get the Figuratively idea. Figuratively speaking, yeah. Yeah, yeah like yeah, you I have to. Absolutely. You have to. <laughs> you know, grow a little bit in your own confidence of, mm-hmm. of what it is you're trying to do. And, yeah. And Cynically, out, it's funny because yeah. nowadays I, I, I tell people that, you know, nobody's listening to my recordings anyway, so I'm going to, I'm just going to keep recording what I want to record. It's fine. You know, <laughs> I'll just do it. Like, it doesn't make any difference. You know, <laughs> I want to do it because I do it, you know? Um, and then same thing. Yeah. Same thing with like repertoire choices and stuff like that. You know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm done playing music I don't want to play <laughs> you know, for whatever reason <laughs> when I was young I was well I still am into this but um, um, I like all kinds of music and I especially like rock music and uh, punk rock music and all kinds of and metal and all this stuff and um, so you know when I was coming into my guitar being you know as a 13 14 15 etc year old you know I was listening to punk rock and 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 hard rock music and you know, the idea of a band at that time was you had something to say and you had your sound and you did it and it mm. better be original and it better be this and that, right. you know. So the idea of making music to that wasn't that, you know, of yourself uh, is something learned later, you know, like, sure. well, I'll make this because people will like it. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Like I said, I come from a world of giggers, you right. know, like, <laughs> you know, you could play a Bach lute suite, but then you play Romanza at a dinner gig and everybody's going to like Romanza. Like it's yeah. just, you know, so, and, and, and so there's all of that, but you know, with making recordings with anything, with being a musician, we all do it for, and even within ourselves, we do it at different times for different reasons. Sure. So and this is kind of a concept that I try to bring up um, is that, you know, you can be a musician in the sense of, I want to make money with my instrument in my hand. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And I'm friends with all those people, you know, and I was one of those people for ages. Yeah. Um, where you do, you know, I had a, a flute and guitar group that just did weddings for many years. We had great fun. We have lots of funny stories to tell, you know. Um, played in a like a R&B jazz band at the same time and then was doing some little classical gigs here and there and and teaching and that's that's a profile you know you can you can do that Um, at some point then I decided I wanted to be giving concerts not not background music I wanted to be performing and having people listen and so for me part of that was well I want to have something personal and unique to give them or you know that expresses me and my taste so for me that meant playing kind of some repertoire that's out of the the, you know that suits my personal taste um and so i all that to say with you and and your recordings like so good and you you play baroque guitar and like all of these you know really i wish i played baroque guitar you know you just had that recent concert you know i shared it with my students to tell them about it too yeah like man there's so much you can do with this isn't the harder choice like what not to record or like what not to do or there's yeah. only so many notes i can play in my lifetime what a- right yeah no i think i think that's great that's that and that's what do what a great thing to share with your students too you know like yeah to, what, a, what a, a fantastic attitude to to share 
um, about that, you know. And I, th I think about that too. It's like I'm never going to play all the music that I want to play. There's I, there's too much, and I'm never right. going to get to it. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's great. So let's let's talk some about the the projects that you've been up to um, lately, because I know that I know that you've done um, a lot of focus on on uh, women in the in the classical guitar world, um, past and present. I be I believe, right? Mostly past. Okay. Um, because I didn't, um, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and good night, everyone. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like, you know, to me, I don't, I don't even know how to put this in words anymore. You know, if you have a stack of music history books. Right. Spanning, I don't know. Oh yeah. Let's no, let's I... generously say starting at the year 1200. Okay. <laughs> okay. And in that whole time, the only women who ever wrote any music were Hildegard von Bingen, Fanny Mendelssohn, and Clara Schumann. And two of them. Wait, wait, are... wait. There, there, there are more. Uh, hold on. But two of them are in there because of their brother or husband. Right. Right. So like this wasn't some big deal to me. Like this wasn't right. some issue. It was just like me looking at, at your photo and saying your wall's yeah. red. Like right. yeah, women just aren't in there. That's that's the deal, right. you know. And and part of that's being a guitar player, especially an electric guitar player. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Right. like you know, if you pick up a guitar magazine and there's a woman on it, she probably isn't playing that guitar. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and she's probably really chilly, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Get her a blanket, would you? <laughs> right? Turtleneck, come on. And so, uh, like, it just wasn't even a thing. It was just huh. like, this is just what it is. They're just not right. in here. And so um, I had, like, wonderfully supportive applied teachers who all, you know, is always the, the girl. In the music. In fact, I once was in a master class oh with my God. I was once in a master class, and a very, very famous elderly teacher was there who will remain uh, anonymous. Wonderful person, but he said, "Let's hear the girl play." I think I think if that were to happen to somebody nowadays, it, it that, that would be a little bit different, you know. I just because of people's awareness about certain things. It wasn't an insult. Evolved. It wasn't it, an insult. Okay. No, it was yeah. just obvious. Like. Okay. You know, <laughs> of course, just, I am the girl. <laughs> you know. It would be the same yeah. as let's hear the redhead. You know, it was just, I right, was the sure, girl. I, sure. I meant that in no bad way. Right. And so I had these wonderful teachers who, you know, obviously they recognize I'm probably one of only a few who have come through their right. studio in the years. And um, and I'm talking all levels of my education. And uh -huh. um, and so I have... Yeah, you know, it's funny because when you mentioned that, you know, it made me think about that because it's something that I've, I've, I've thought a lot about recently, thinking about, you know, the people that I'm going to talk to on the podcast and whatnot and, and that was that was the issue and and I, I whenever I was wherever I was studying no matter what I was doing there was always one you know, and it was the girl you know or the woman or whatever you know and it's really it's it, and you know from from my point of view I'm what was it like to be the girl you know yeah. it's like it's, yeah. well for me it was become one of the guys right Sure. And it was it was okay actually you know it, yeah. it, you know it, it for the most part it was okay I'll just put it yeah. you know <laughs> I, or maybe I just decided to remember it as, as, sure. which could be true too um, <laughs> but, uh, 
Um, but my you're, point you're was, I had too busy concentrating on your work. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, you or know, just I'm sure you know, that was, that was part of it. Yeah, and you know, trying to. Well, anyway, just be okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, um, but I had teachers, you know, in my undergraduate, you know, who would say, hey, you got to listen to Emily Remler. You got to check out, you know, this or that person. Dr. Kaluta always had a picture of Ida Presti hanging in his office. Right. And um, super supportive in that way. And so I always had these folks, like, encouraging me, like, to, to because you're looking for role models, you, you right. know. And, and, um, and so then when it was my turn to have you know the ability to write some papers and do some work and deciding on a well I got invited I guess in 2006 um, I've been collecting sheet music by any woman I could find who wrote something for classical guitar I just buy it you know if I could afford it and save it and uh, you know collecting names and information and you know it was just a thing that I just did and um, in 2006, I was invited to give a lecture uh, at the Bethlehem Guitar Festival run by John Arnold, another student of Dr. Kluda, awesome guitar player. And, uh, and I gave a lecture about women um, in, in various musical styles, mm -hmm. jazz, blues, classical, rock. And um, that was fine. And so anyway, just through the years, I just kept doing this stuff, just collecting things. And then when I was in my doctoral program, I had to decide on a thesis. And okay. I wanted to write about um, Ida Presti, Louise Walker, and Maria Louisa Nito. I wanted to write about all three of them, the grand dames of the 20th century. Sure. But the topic was too broad. Oh. And so, yeah, for, you know, for that kind of thesis. Yeah. And so um, I chose of the three to write about Ida Presti. I had the okay. most information on her at the time. Um, you know, this is... I mean, there's internet, but it was not like it is now. Not, not like, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so I had the most information, and we are undeniably great players. But, um, you know, I just really felt like th this one, let me start here, you know, okay. with, with this project. And so I wrote my thesis about her, and in fact, I focused just on her solo career and her solo compositions and celebrating her, not her right. in the context of the duo. Of course. And, um, but I had already been studying these other people as well. And so um, I do a lot of public speaking. I've, I've done it since I was a kid and I, I was, you know, a college lecturer, of course. And so I got invited to do some lectures at, you know, GFA and libraries and guitar society, all kind of things. And um, thought, well, I'm gonna, you know, instead of just doing these lectures on Ida Presti, I'm gonna do lectures on all these women that I've been collecting things. And I can show people my books and magazines and I can, you know, it's like show and tell in a way. Um, but anyway, um, so I did that for years. And, you know, tried to put things out every Women's History Month on Facebook, writing little essays, pointing people to links, recording some pieces. And um, I don't know if it's like the power of the internet and social media or if it's just a time in history, but it seems like in the last really two years, there's been this really kind of public interest. There's mm -hmm. always been you know, pockets of interest in festivals here and there, but a grander public interest. And so now, um, you know, a lot of this work I'd done was 
you know, it's been done for a while. In a way, I felt like I was ready to do some other stuff, you know? Like, oh, okay. Right. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, sure, yeah. Like, you know, because I do a you're, lot. You're, you're being pulled back to it in, in a different context. Yeah, and um, so that's fine. So, I've you know, some of those essays now are just uh, published in Soundboard, which is really cool. Um, I've been uh, helping with uh, a project um, uh, that... Um, that will come out uh, of not my playing, but an, another wonderful guitar player who's going to be recording some really great music. Um, you know, I'm doing some kind of liner note work and research work on her behalf. And um, yeah, so that's, that's been an area. Um, yeah. That, that I've worked in for some time. It's... What's, what's, what's something everybody needs to know about Edith Presti that we don't know? I don't even know what's com com common knowledge anymore. Like, you know, I've, I've gone right. down such a deep rabbit hole that I don't sure. know what daylight looks like anymore. So I would say, um, I would say the following. Um, go find the recordings. They're very easy to find on, they're on YouTube actually. Of course. Yeah. Of, um, of her performing, uh, they're, they're posted by, uh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll give you one particular piece. Uh, find her playing the first movement of the Taroba Sonatina. Okay. Okay. And listen to it. And then maybe like listen to Segovia from, you know, maybe an, like the, I think there's a 1927 recording of Segovia. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, listen to them and enjoy them both. And, and then go back to the Ida Presti one and look at the date it was recorded. And then, okay. figure, then figure out her age when it was recorded. Okay. And uh, so spoiler alert, um, she, was <laughs> she was very she, young. She was 13. You're kidding. Yeah. So all of, there's not that many like out there in the world. You know, I don't know what the family, of course, would wow. own and have in their possession. But out in the world, there's only so many solo recordings of Presti. And the, the great number of them that you hear were from this particular session when she was 13. They're from nineteen. They're from nineteen thirty-eight. My goodness! Yeah. Wow. And she was born in twenty-four. Wow. Yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. And then with that's, Anito, I, yeah. And then I would say with Anito, that, 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 that's that's just, you know, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, right. That's 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 just exploding all sorts of mythology, you know, that, yeah. that we've been eating for decades yeah. well and there's all and there's all kinds of fun things like when you get into music history and you start thinking about you start you come into con contact with names or certain names become very really familiar to you like Otter Dandelo um, Emilio Pujol uh, AP Sharp these people who were journalists they were friends of the guitar they're involved in the guitar um, and and you know of course John Duarte you know a right. bit of a different generation but you know sure. There's these names those, that you those sorts of figures, yeah. Yeah, these these wonderful figures that you're reading their articles and and the other group, the previous group, you know, early, you know, I'm talking about 1930s and that kind of thing yes. with them, or, or earlier, and they're praising, you know, there there are printed praises of people like Presti, or right. you're reading a review of Maria Luisa Nito's Japanese tour, you know, by by one of these folks. Or I have a little book here that I bought in a, a used shop that's a music his, or guitar history 
uh, The Great Players by A.P. Sharp, and you open it, and there's Presty, and there's Walker, and they're right next to Julian Bream, and they're right next to Segovia. There was a point in time where they weren't out of the conversation. So I don't know what happened. I I can't tell you. You know, I don't know what happened. (laughs) But that would be the thing that I would say is the lesson to take away from it and what my whole, you know, I didn't even give women in guitar lectures for a long time. I just tried to interject their names in all the normal conversation. Because that's that's my objective is. Yeah, oh yeah. We're talking about. It's almost like they're people or something. (laughs) What a revolutionary concept. (laughs) Here were some great people. They also wrote some awesome stuff. And I know you're looking for new music to play. Go play some of Anito's works. You're gonna love them. Like that's my mission, you know, it's just make the conversation be sure. there. Sure, sure. And um, so anyway, that that's what I would say is, you know, at once upon a time, they were in a conversation. Right. What happened? I don't know. Yeah. But let's just fix do you it. Think, do you think it was World War II? I have no idea. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that, that had a lot to do with it. Because, you know, there was there was that whole societal shift that, that happened with, you know, um, after, post-war, especially in, in the United States, and I'm assuming in, in, in Western European countries in general, um, you know, it was, it was, we need, we need you to go to work and, and take care of things and, and fully participate in society during the war. But after the war, you, you go back, go back home and put your dress on and get in the kitchen again. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I don't I think, think it's that, that though. That, that definitely happened. I don't think it's um, that though, because, you know, Preston and LaGoya between like 1952 and her death in 67, they played more than 2000 concerts together. That's true. Yeah. Maria right. Luisa Nito, her she toured relentlessly from 1950 until her death in 1996, I think. I might have her wow, death wrong, but okay. it was really, it was really, you know. She far. started touring in 1950. Yeah, it, it's a story because um, so she played when she was young, was touring around in in um, you know Argentina and areas around mm-hmm. there, and her father would accompany her. But then okay. when her father died that caused you know some inability to really travel that much right. and then when her mother died in 1950 or 51 um i think it was 1950 then she kind of launched out on her own and she played oh i mean the list of countries where she toured is she is incredible yeah. yeah yeah russia and japan and and you know cuba all kinds of you know wonderful right. uh you know touring career you know Right. list and then um you know the that great competition in in geneva in the 50s you know walker mm-hmm. was on the jury for that first time the guitar was oh my gosh yeah along with um tonsman and segovia so wow. yeah so i i again that's why you know when i say i don't know something it's because i've thought about it and like i really can't come up with the answer you know like, <laughs> like do you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. Who, and and again, who, I, I've decided that's not my responsibility to answer. I'm just gonna put the facts out there. Sure. In yeah. the most in the most objective, well cited way that I possibly Absolutely. can, and 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 things are somebody just somebody will different. pick it up. Absolutely, somebody yeah. will pick it up. I mean, yeah. this is it's, it's hot stuff. So, what, so, Louise Walker. I mean. It, it, She's somebody that I've always known about for whatever reason, you know. Um, and I, there was something that popped up recently that, you know, again, a YouTube thing. I was like, this is amazing. I, it, was, it was chamber music. It was so some. Oh, yes, really the chamber music. Record. 
So oh. you're like, I, like, what the heck is this? And it was so good. Uh, and I was like, how, how did I not know about this, first of all? I mean, I mean like, there's some shame involved in that. But like, it, I started thinking about it. It's like, I know nothing about this this person other than she existed and I've heard some recordings and whatnot. And I think there's this whole central European guitar culture that is is probably not very well known unless you're from Central Europe, you know? Well, it's funny you say that because, well, one, you know, we can't know everybody. Like we're doing our, you right. know, even people I love, I don't have every, you know, album, right. you know, they did. But I have the same experience where um, we were cleaning out CDs here at the house, like getting ready to recycle the plastic and just keep the, you know, the CDs and such. And like I have these albums of concertos, you know, from recorded in the 70s or early 80s by guitar players whose names I don't know and they're brilliant and I'm like yeah. you know I just bought them at some point or my husband bought them at some point because you know they we just wanted a recording of this Boccherini thing or we wanted right. a recording whatever it is and um and then I started following on Facebook a, a really cool site that was called classical guitar album or classical guitar vinyl of the huh. the seventies and eighties, I think it was. Oh my gosh! And, and and all it was is it posts like the covers and backs of right. out you know vinyl um, covers, and there's just person after person that I've never oh heard of, and playing great repertoire clearly with a career, and and so maybe the the greater question is, you know, I don't know how to word this, but you know why do we focus on a few? Right. Rather than than a bigger sure. pool, and sure. um, and so anyway, you, you know that might be an issue that extends beyond women, and mm -hmm. and in those album covers, I mean, you've got Renata Tarago, and there, I mean, there's fabulous players of the 20th century that, I mean, and and, and Renata Tarago was in a movie, you know, um, back in the 60s. Yeah, there's really this, this big scene. Oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. It's like a spy or or, or a cat burglar kind of movie. Oh um, gosh. yeah, and she's playing and it's, a, uh, you know, it's not the Iran West. She's playing some other concerto that escapes me right now. That's not as known. Wow. And yeah. And, yeah. It, so anyway, it's part of the move, like it's not soundtrack. She's no, in it's, the movie. It, it's in the movie and it keeps cutting back and forth to this guy scaling a wall to, you While know, she's playing. Yeah. Oh, how cool. <laughs> so I guess, I guess maybe that's the bigger thing is to say like, there's a whole world of great stuff out there, past and present. And, you know, what a fun thing to just start digging or, or searching sure. out and, and, uh, yeah. Very cool. So what, what have you got coming up here? Like, um, <laughs> what are you working on currently? And what, what's, what, what are your plans for the, the near future? What do you have so, any projects? Yeah. Right I'm now making that you're some excited little, about? Yeah, I'm making some little shifts, of, 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 or actually, yeah, in my in myself and my career. So, I've spent a lot of time playing chamber music and loving it, and um, then also playing solo, you know, things at the same time. And so, um, I'm right now working on some new solo music, and uh, really trying to develop. I want to do a new CD. Uh, I have a couple of really lovely pieces that people wrote and then were so gracious to like, you know, put my name on them, you know, <laughs> and uh, I want to get those recorded. And um, so I really want to focus on developing 
that like folk not being torn so much like really focusing on that that solo playing sure. and things that really express my personality which is is you know you know it, i love a lot of french music and i love a lot of actual songs mm -hmm. you know like um la mer i don't mean the debussy you know i always play la vie and rose in concert and oh. um and, and you know i love the tennessee waltz actually i know that might be oh a surprise and so but i have these interests in this kind of very nostalgic music mm -hmm. and then um but then are also are you doing the arranging on that so i'm i just finished arranging sati's je te vu mm -hmm. uh for solo guitar so that's going to be a new thing in my program and um yeah so kind of developing my program to be really personal yeah uh but then also i love 19th century guitar and and sure. um and some other things so you know and then besides that um i'm i'm this huge fan of ecm records and and this music dominic miller you know the guitar player uh -huh. he's uh -huh. known for playing with sting and this music that just falls between genre you, you don't even know what to call it mm -hmm. and so i'm working with uh you know, my husband, Danny Weber, who plays all kinds of guitar, especially jazz. And then my good friend, Anita Thomas, who's uh, uh, known as a jazz musician, but she, again, can play all kinds of things. She wrote this beautiful piece called Australian Mood that we're doing okay. as a trio. And again, oh, it's neat. this music, it's composed, but there's also some improvisational elements. Sure. And I really want to develop that project with them. And, and um, and I want to go on tour with it, just to oh, be fun. blunt. I want oh, us yeah, to absolutely. go out. Um, I'm getting a new guitar that um, that I'll feel a little more comfortable traveling with, uh -huh. and um, and it, it has a pickup in it. It, it will right. ha it will have a pickup. We're allowed to do that now. I know, right? <laughs> it only took what uh, 50 years? I don't know. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Funny. Very good. So yeah, I'm doing that stuff and just, yeah, it sounds like a lot, but they're all kind of, I think, related. Yeah. And, um, you know, and now, trying do you to think, do it all do with think... a real healthy and new mindset, like not the pressure of what I should be doing or have yeah. to do or proving anything, just yeah. trying to say, look, I love really sweet, beautiful things. Sure. <laughs> and I want to play them for you. I think that's fantastic. I look forward <laughs> to hearing it. So... Um, do you think that getting getting onto that stuff is that something that that has been um, pandemic induced introversion? Uh, has that has that been involved in that at all? Or do you, has 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 the pandemic and being at home and and having time to think and reflect and and is, has that been a part of, of of that process for you? Do you think? Yeah, it started yeah. before the pandemic because I was um, I was kind of hurting myself playing um, so much and like, yeah. you know, really pushing myself to um, to what I could do, not just physically, but just, right. you know, sure. in general. And um, I had to take a little bit of a break period because of that. I needed to kind of redo some things and um, and uh, yeah. So but then the you know the and so that was kind of on track me like reevaluating and thinking and um and you know when when you're faced with the possibility of some kind of injury 
you right. know, you start to really think, oh my gosh, well, like what's important to me and what, what do I really, you know, so th there's that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, some really inspiring things. We were actually in Copenhagen um, for a little uh, spring break vacation. Uh, I guess that would have been March 9th of 2020. Oh and my gosh! Yeah, you see where Oof. this is headed. Yeesh. So Oof. we were, well, we didn't, we didn't know, you know, like right, the, of course. the severity yeah. you, of what you booked it way in advance, I'm sure. And yeah, we didn't know the severity calendar, of yeah. what was happening, and um, and we were meeting up with a friend from Germany, and um, and we went to see Dominic Miller play in a, a little seaside town outside of Copenhagen, um, I think called Espigarden. Um, if I can remember it was and it was oh my gosh so inspiring what a oh, night that's cool so we came home from that uh, right the travel ban began that Friday our flight was Thursday we came wow. home yeah we were in fact I was sitting in the the train terminal watching the news conference and thinking uh oh something's <laughs> happening uh this is really you know, scary I mean, being, being, and important would, would being stranded in copenhagen really be a terrible thing <laughs> <laughs> no it would not and uh, <laughs> and our friend from who lives in germany you know was already kind of the wheels were turning like if worse sure. comes to worse maybe can they can come with you. us and right yeah. um you know of course not knowing how long this was going to right you know it's very it's very naive now in retrospect but we came home we quarantined uh you know what i mean we we knew like okay right. we've and the airport was probably the scariest part of it because you're really crammed in with people mm -hmm. um, but we came home we were quarantined we were in good health and um and so we came off of something really inspiring and positive into this quarantine and um made the most of it in in our situation yeah. and um you know started dining al fresco every you know evening in the park and um you know i, I tell my friends that my theme song is la vie and rose and yeah. um it's not a joke you know that's how I, i'm choosing to live life Fantastic. and um it's not to say that i don't see the really bad things you know it's very saddened by the loss of my neighbor from covid oh. and like it's terrible it's absolutely yeah. terrible i see friends who are suffering from the the being alone mm -hmm. and um and difficulty in getting the vaccine and 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 all the, i see it all i'm not in denial of it um just in in my little world you know i've had some really good situations where i i there's some positive for me that you know had some technology, had the means to upgrade my internet. I was able to do this or that. So I'm trying to look at the good. Right. And yeah. um, so to answer I your question. I think it's one of these situations too that, that yeah. you know, we, we don't really, at least I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, I can't fully comprehend the effects that, that this is going to have, you know, for, for my future, although it's changed things, you know, I know that, I know that, I know that, that, you know, the way that I, I have operated my, my business and, and all of these other things are going to be changed. And, you know, I'm sure there, I'm sure there's positive, they, of course there's positives, there's silver linings everywhere. And, and it just depends on, you know, I hope that I'm, I'm able to see those, those clearly and to leverage them, I guess, when, you know, have, having some, you know, having some, some positive outcomes of that. But I think I, you know, I, I, 
that, that's what that's what I'm hearing you say. You know, is is that, that there's, you know, yeah, there are opportunities everywhere. Yeah. Right. You know, if yeah, there's there's a lot of terrible, and I'm not in any way, yeah. you know, saying that I don't see it or that it isn't affecting me in some you know various right. ways that I'm keeping how personal. Could, how or, could it not? Right. 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 Yeah. But I am just trying to look to the the brighter things and and say okay well i can't do this i can do this yeah. i can't do this i can do this and and make right. the most of it and so when you say hey does you know recording a new cd that's based on cheeriness and happiness is is that the result of the pandemic <laughs> probably sure. makes makes sense yeah well that's that's exciting that's great cool. Any, anything else coming up that uh, we should we should know about I'm going to have a half solo recital for the Marlowe series that'll be oh, cool. online on May 1st. So that's pretty exciting. And Fantastic. I'm not, I'll sure, premiere I'm my not sure this podcast will be out before May. If it is, I'll make sure that people know. No worries. <laughs> All four people that are going to listen. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I expect to have literally dozens of followers of, of the podcast. So That's <laughs> wonderful. I think you should write it in your bio, you know, your promo. Yeah, for absolutely. The, dozens of listeners think this literally is great. Literally dozens. <laughs> it was like, it's like with Facebook or any of these things. And, you know, you say, oh, I'm going to make a video and I'll, I'll put it out there and like, Two people like it. You right. Know, you got but, 14 views. Woo. Yeah. You, you know, change your profile picture or post a picture of, you know, a dog doing a silly trick and 300. You know, yeah. Right it's, yeah. <laughs> Those algorithms know what's up. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been delightful to talk to you. Thank you. Um, you too. And, and I hope that maybe we'll do it again sometime. If you if you would be into into that, I I, I would yeah. enjoy having you back or whatever you know. Awesome. Um, and 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 best of luck to you. I, I look forward to the the new new project and hearing about that. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll all be out getting out in the world and playing concerts again sometime soon. I hope I miss let, that. <laughs> let me ask you one. Let me ask you one fun quick question because you're talking about your recordings. Absolutely. So how long is it between when you say you're going to make a new recording and when you actually have it done? Six months. Nuh-uh. Six, six, my experience is that from like day one of tracking to it being finished, it, it takes at least six months. So not like four or five years. Not. Like... My first one took three years because, well... It sat around, I'm trying to think, I, I recorded in 2006 and I was so busy working on other people's recordings at the time that it just sat there and it languished and I wasn't working on it. And I was justifying it saying, hey, I'm making money, you know, with paying for the, paying for the recording, <laughs> right? right? And, but I never got to work on it because I was too busy working on other people's stuff. And the mm -hmm. kicker was I was actually recording another guitarist and he was he, he was making a, a, a wedding demo because um, he wanted to get wedding, wedding gigs. And he was being extraordinarily picky. And I don't want to be cruel, but he, let's, let's just say he wasn't exactly um, the, the best player that I've ever heard. Let's, let's, right. let's, let's put it that way. So there was and a that lot might of work be the pick, And that might be the pickiness is that, 
you know, like hearing yourself and having to confront that is rough. Uh, you know, that was, I'm sure that was that was part of it, along with perhaps some some psychological issues mm. as well. <laughs> but I spent so much time working on this and listening to it and 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 being poked by this guy, and it just it really woke me up on on that. You know, it's like why am I, I here? It's a guitar. It's a guitar recording. Why am I spending all this time on this guitar recording when mine's sitting right there and I haven't touched it for years? And it was it was that's when I stopped recording other people for 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 work. Mm-hmm. I just was like, you know what, I. I, I don't need to be doing this anymore because I, I, I got into recording to do my own stuff anyway it was never I never had the um, I was never the ambition with that it was like I, I wanted to get the stuff to make my own recordings and then once I had it all and had built the studio and everything I thought well I have to pay for this <laughs> so I, I should start shopping a little bit and yeah so that was that was kind of how that went and so it, I, I don't I don't remember how much time it was there and I started started getting into it and doing the editing and I was almost done with one of the larger pieces on the on the recording and it had been it had been kind of kind of some grueling work um and I sat down one day to finish it and all of my files were <gasps> just gone I had the original files but I didn't have any of my edits I didn't have any in so like hours and hours and hours and hours of work just disappeared and it was oh yeah exactly it was so depressing that i couldn't even think about touching it for for like a really long time and and that's it it took me three years to finish to finish it um so you know it it pretty much yeah it's it it, the, the math usually works out to to about six months from from start to finish and that's and that's not working all the time you know i i, I tend to you know the i tend to set a, set aside a few days for the tracking um and then i'll just chip away at everything kind and of you do all that yourself the the tracking i do yeah because i'm know, getting I, myself I'm, set up you know to I'm be cheap. able to <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, i just and actually that's i mean that is honestly that's why i started getting into recording in the first place was I couldn't af- I need I had things I wanted to record and I couldn't afford to pay somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and I you know I, I probably probably a little little bit better shape for that now but I'm spoiled, you know, I'm, I'm at the point where like I am used to not having to pay somebody. Right, so right, right. um and I and I figured out ways to do it myself that that are more efficient perhaps than than it used to be. Um and there are probably like there. I know not probably. I know for a fact there are higher tech ways to do do that sort of thing that I'm that I'm not doing. You know, I don't do any kind of remote control from the from the room in which I'm oh, recording. Yeah. I just hit record and walk across the hall and you know, sit down right. and play for a few hours. Um, and and I, I tend to be fairly organized about um, the order of things and how I'm going to record and how, you know, I, so I, I always have like a plan in, in mind. And when I, when I did the, the duo recordings with Stanley, um, it was one of the things that, that, that really helped with those. Cause he was always on a limited schedule coming here to record. So we had, we needed to make sure that we had enough time to get, get everything done. So, you know, the planning process of sitting down and saying, okay, this is how we're going to do this right down to, you know, even breaking things up in sections. Right. Um, you know, making as many decisions as we could beforehand before you, you start tracking. I just think that was... Learned that the hard was, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, that's an interesting thing, too. The idea that, that you know, 
playing is just doing what we do, or recording is just doing what we do when we're playing with a microphone live. And it, and no, it's no. not. It's, and just like every other process that we do, you have to practice it to get good at it. And you have to have like that mental part of it, you know, the, the, the way that you approach it, you know, the way that you, the, the way that you approach a performance is not the way that you approach practicing. The way that you port, per, approach recording isn't the way that you approach performance. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a re, it's an interesting thing. So, but yeah. Very, Very good question. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. And last one, do you still build amplifiers? Because I find that I do. Really fascinating. I absolutely do. Um, actually, I've got one on the workbench right now that I, that I need to finish. And uh, it, I, I have this problem of like not being able to keep one on hand. And it's not mm -hmm. because I'm selling massive amounts of them. It's, it's because like I haven't worked out the workflow to always make sure that I, I have one on hand. I, and for a while, I was building two at a time. For, to, to kind of remedy that situation, you know, mm -hmm. if I had somebody place an order, I'd build, build another one. To, so I'd move that one along and then hold on to the, uh, the other one. But I just, yeah, I haven't seemed to, to work that all, all out. So it seems like I never have one on, on hand. And this one is, you know, I, I sold the last one that I made and I was, I was, I was trying to, to remedy the situation by getting this one. So I have, I have one on hand. And then I started talking to a, a a local music store who wants to sell them out of the music store and and his terms are great i mean it sounds he, he's gonna buy them whole, at a wholesale cost mm. and we're gonna split profits oh. and it's like this this okay. sounds like this sounds like a dream you, you don't know, just actually, have to leave your items sit in his you yeah. know no money yeah, it's not you an assignment know. or anything right like i know that. exactly he's, what he's you're actually gonna about. buy he's gonna pay for the materials wow in, uh, in advance for me to build this amp and i'm like this is are, am I dreaming? What you know? Um, so it's and and again that was that was kind of like is similar to what, how I got into doing recordings was, you know, I wanted an amplifier. I knew what I wanted, but I wasn't going to pay several thousand dollars for right. it. You know? No, <laughs> I do know because I'm in that state. That I'm yeah. in that situ state. That's funny. You know, just <laughs> But um, I'm in that situation because I use amplifiers for very versatile things right. and so while there's a part of me that might like to have like this particular thing with you know spring reverb and you know all this stuff and this great warm tube town or tube sound or whatever the amp is um the reality is i actually just need something superbly clean through which i can run a variety of sounds yeah and you don't always have the funding to have a bunch of things in stock you know, right. and or even the room, you know, right. leave the finances out of it. So I end up pretty much just using for everything, and it works fine for now, um, because most of my electric guitar things now are like if I'm going to be, a, um, like say playing a pops concert with an orchestra, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, where I need I have this much space, right, <laughs> and I need to get this many guitar sounds you know i have mm -hmm. to have electric i have to have distort clean electric distorted electric uh acoustic right which sometimes i get with my electric you know like you know because i have sure. a hollow body and then um and then sometimes a nylon string uh so it's you like, get the like point playing a like pit orchestra a, stuff pit orchestra, yeah yeah and so for me i just use this little aer amp that i've owned forever mm -hmm. because then i also would use it with chamber music like it, right yeah absolutely um, but in terms of like actually wanting to play other you know, 
in really playing electric guitar, it's not the ideal. No, it's for the it's for the fake electric guitar sounds. Yes, right, yeah. right, right, right. So, <laughs> so I get it, but then like when I go shopping, you know, thinking about well, okay, if I'm gonna do this, what amp do I really want? Well, I run into the thing. Like, um, my husband has a Hot Rod Deluxe, you know, that, uh, that sounds great with my guitar, but I can't carry it. So I have to turn it up so loud right, right. for it to that, really do what it does, you know. That doesn't work for me. And then, yeah. you know, anyway, I won't go through the list of commercial things, <laughs> but um, but I remember looking at your amp on, you, you had yeah. shared some things on Facebook, and I thought, I wonder if that would be it. It might be. I'll give you a yell. <laughs> Very good. Anyway. <laughs> so and it, yeah, it, it, but it was yeah again it was it was that's how I got into that was you know I had some electronics experience beforehand, so I kind of knew what I was looking at, and when I started looking at it, you know what the insides of these things were, you know it, it was it was funny because when when I looked at seriously looked at the the, the schematic of the first design that I was I was I was considering. In my head, I said, "That can't be. That can't be more than three hundred dollars in parts, right?" And the guy was selling them for three thousand dollars. Now, he told me straight up. I mean, I, I, I had a long conversation with him, and he said, "Well, you know, it's all in the, it's it, it's in the cosmetic build time." And he was doing like wet sanding, um, eight coats of automotive mm -hmm. uh, finish on his chassis with you know, sanding in between each coat and doing a clear coat, and they're beautiful. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful amplifiers. But he's like, "Yeah, that, that's what people are paying for is that stuff," you know. And, and really, even even with the amps that I build. 90% of the costs are in the transformers, um, the tubes, and the, the power capacitors. You know? All right. And there's like, that, that's 90% of my cost, you know, and it's, it's so, it, and that's, that's what got me started is like, why should I, why should I pay this guy $3,000 for an amp that I can build for 300, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, and it, it just kind of went, went from there, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's awesome, actually. So. It's so cool that you're so self-sufficient. It's very admirable. I love it. I don't. I think it's, I, I try to be, know. but then sometimes yeah. I think maybe I just shouldn't be doing this. I think I'm just cantankerous, and I you know I don't trust anybody to do anything for me, so I like do it myself. <laughs> but I, I I do that with everything. I, you know, I'd like, you know, I, I I'm I'm a real DIY kind of kind of person about everything, and I'd I'd rather you know I'd rather spend my time doing that kind of stuff and. Nice. <laughs> than other stuff, so Very yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, that's really cool, actually. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit ColumbusClassicalGuitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook.